Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. And everybody said, Before you're seated, can you give God the greatest ovation of praise? You may be seated. You may be seated this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. Not, excuse me, it's Ephesians chapter 1. I want to continue our series entitled Marked. Musicians, stand by. Singers, stand by. Uh, uh, I won't be long. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, in him, this is our foundational text. In him you also were sealed. In one translation it says in him you were marked. You were marked with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When did this happen? When you believed. I want to let you in on something right now. I want to share something with you for just a moment. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have experienced the miracle of salvation, I want to let you know you've been marked by God. You have been marked by him. You have been sealed by him. What do I mean by that? I mean you belong to him. He calls you, uh, he calls you his own. You are his child. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've got been branded by God. What does he call you? He calls you his child. You're his beloved. You are holy. You are righteous. You are redeemed. You are an heir of Christ and a joint heir. Uh, an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. He separated you. He set you apart. You are holy. You are not like this world. I want to tell a church right now that is given to compromise and complacency just for a moment you are not you're in this world but you are not of this world you are not like this world you are different you always go against the grain you do not fit in and you will stand out if you choose to embrace this new identity in Christ Jesus does it make you better than the world no but it does make you different than the world you have experienced the miracle working power of Jesus and you have been identified Identified, stamped, marked by God. Amen. I tell people this in a joking manner, but I also mean it. You messed around and got saved. Nothing is ever going to be the same. Things are changing and have changed. And we think as a church somewhere down the road, we listen to some foolish instruction that said if you want to reach the world, you've got to be like the world. But that is not the truth. If you want to reach this world that is lost and dying, you've got to be different than this world. They've already got what the world has to offer. They're not looking for the same old, same old. They're looking for something different and you've been marked by God you are different you are what this world needs you are the Bible says salt in a flavorless world you are the light in a dark 
world. You have been marked by God, sealed by his spirit. And if you are marked, and I am telling the truth, and this is real, then things are going to change in your life. And that's what I want to talk about. Signs of one who has been marked by God. Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 17. I don't have nothing but word tonight. I don't have any notes. I don't have, I'm not against notes. Sometimes I have them, sometimes I don't. All I've got is God's word today, okay? Are you ready? So you get mad, don't get mad with me, you get mad with God, okay? I'm just a messenger. Therefore, I say this and testify to the Lord, in the Lord, that you, sh listen now, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live. Now, you say, well, I'm, I watch a Gentile, whatever. Well, a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. But the thought is this. You should no longer live as an unbeliever. As one who has not been, if you're saved, just say, I'm, raise your hand. You're not ashamed. I'm saved. Okay, listen then. You should no longer live as an unsaved person. You should no longer live as an unsaved person lives in the emptiness of their thoughts. They just go through life aimless, purposeless, not driven by anything but their own intense desires to please themselves and to make them happy. But you don't live for yourself anymore. You live for God. Your life is not your own. You've been marked by God. Look what it says. It says they are darkened. Unbelievers are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. It goes on to say they became callous and they gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire, and I would underline this if I had a Bible in front of me and I had a pen and mine wasn't already underlined, I would underline more and more. See, I want to give a warning real quick to those who are unbelievers here. If you are an unbeliever and you reject this message today, you are not going to stay in the, in the lostness that you're in. You are going to, with every day that passes, become more lost. You are not going to be comfortable and be okay and think, I've got this handled. I'll just live like I'm living. No, look what it says. More and more will you chase after that which is impure. I have been lost before and then I have, there's been times I have been really lost. I can remember, I don't know what you call your grandpa, but I call, I call my grandpa on my daddy's side. I called him doodaddy. Is my me mama's was my me mama's husband. He's deceased. He's passed away, but we called him Doodaddy. Now I got some friends. They're trying to figure out what they want to be called because they're fixing to enter into this Papa world, and I don't know what they're going to choose. Uh, probably something lame, not like Doodaddy. Probably like Papa or something like that. But the coolest name of all Grandpa names, in my opinion, is the Doodaddy. I mean, what can't you not do if you are Doodaddy, right? So uh, I'm going to carry on that tradition one day when I'm old. I'm not old. I'm far from being old. I'm getting younger every day, feeling better every day. But one day, like 50 years from now, 
uh, I will be a do daddy. Well, uh, let me share with you a trip that me and my do daddy went on where he did not do what I thought he was going to do. He said he was going to show us in the farm that he, my family owns in Alma. They were going to, he was going to, he was reminiscing and he wanted to show me a pond. <clears throat> I think Josh was with with us, I'm not sure, but he was going to show us a pond that he used to fish and camp beside when he was a little boy. And well, he said it's right through them woods. Now you would never see a, you wouldn't think a pond was where he pointed at, but he's doodaddy, okay? So if doodaddy points and says there's a pond through them woods, you just get out with doodaddy uh, and go look for the pond. Well, that's what I done. I got with doodaddy, and we started doing what he wanted us to do, and we walked out to the pond that we, by the way, never found, and we started walking and all of a sudden I could tell that something wasn't right. Doodaddy wasn't as confident as he usually was. Uh, he was, somebody understand, he was lost. And uh, if Doodaddy was lost, then that means I was really lost. And we walked and we walked and we found no pond and we got more lost. I've been lost and then I've been really lost. And I'm telling you, if you choose to reject direction, if you choose not to go the way God's telling you to go, if you choose to resist the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not going to stay just the, as lost as you are. You're going to become exceedingly lost. Not only are you going to become exceedingly lost, your conscience is going to be seared so that which bothers you now will stop bothering you and that's a dangerous place to be when what used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore and your heart becomes hard what I'm, <coughs> what I'm telling you is this today is you better make a decision to choose God don't put it off don't think I've got till tomorrow no because you may not the Bible tells me that these unbelievers the longer they stay unbelievers, their heart becomes hard, their heart becomes callous, and they chase after evil more and more. Now, verse 20. Oh, by the way, but you can accept Jesus today. You don't have to lose anything else. You don't have to burn any more bridges. You don't have to get high not one more time. You don't have to step out on your family one more time. You don't have to cheat on your wife one more time. You don't have to break your kids' hearts one more time. You don't have to walk out one more time. Today, you can make a decision to live for God. Today, you can respond to God calling on you, and you can help me, somebody who knows what I'm talking about, and you can call on him, and he'll answer. But that's not how you came to know Christ. So what he's saying here is, these people, they're lost, they're unbelievers, but that's not you. You don't live like that because you've been marked by God. Verse 20, but that's not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. Two things that stand out to me right here. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, if you have been marked by God, then there's some things you need to put off and some things you need to put on. Say amen. There's some ways that you stop living. And there's some ways that you start living. Those who have been marked by God. You put off some things 
and you put on some things. The thought here Paul is, 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 is uh, talking about here is, on, is like a garment. You put it off and you put something else on. That's why the Bible talks about you being clothed in righteousness. Now, I've lost a little bit of weight in the last couple months. I was looking. I don't know if you have one of these in your house. I do. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pronounce it right or not. And you can tell me if I do or if I don't. But in my house, in my bedroom, well, our bedroom, in our house, we have a, I have a, an armoire. Yeah, I'm not talking about a dog, by the way. Some of y'all are like, oh, yeah, I have one too. I have a, no, an armoire. You know what that is? Armoire. Hey, it don't matter. It don't matter, y'all. You know what I do with it? I got my folding clothes in there. Clothes that we don't hang on a, hang, on a hanger. So my shirts, my pants, my shorts, stuff like that, T-shirts, stuff like that. It's in my armoire, okay? And since I've lost weight, I looked at all my clothes in my armoire, and I said, man, I got all these clothes in my armoire, and I hate to have my armoire disorganized, so it'd be good to clean up my armoire where I have a real organized armoire. <laughs> Who wants an unorganized armoire? So that's what I've done. And I started looking at it, and I held it up, and I said, well, I need to get rid of these. But something said, no, 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 no. Don't get rid of them. You may need them. And I thought about, wait just a minute. And I put them back in there, and I pulled them out, and I put them back in there. I thought, no, 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 no. I'm getting rid of these things because I ain't going to need them anymore. I'm going to throw them away. I'm going to put it off because they just don't fit me anymore. I was trying to wear them and they were big. The other day I seen a picture of this shirt I had on and it was hanging down to my knees and I said, my God, that looks ridiculous. I said, Holly, why did you not tell me that I looked like that wearing that? She said, you didn't look bad to me, baby. I said, well, look at the picture. There's some things, now I'm about to preach, there's something, I'm not talking about clothes, there's some things that don't fit me anymore. There's some things I just don't look good in anymore. There's some things I've got to put off. Do you hear what I'm saying? I got to shut off. I've got to get rid of. I've got to throw it away. I got to get it out. There's some things that you are wearing that don't fit you anymore. Don't fit this new life. Don't fit this new person that you are. And you don't put it in the armoire and think, well, maybe I'll come back and get it later. Maybe I'll need it. No, when God marks you and He calls you, there's some things you need to get out of your life today. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some things you need to put off. Get rid of. And you know it's one thing for me to tell you, you don't look good in it. It's one thing for me to tell you, it's, it's one thing for me to say, that don't fit you anymore. That's okay. But that's not far enough. You've got to get to the place in your life when you stand before the mirror of your life and you look at some things and say, that doesn't fit me anymore. I don't look good in that anymore. I'm praying to God. I am praying to God that we will come to a place where we say, that's not my style. 
<laughs> anymore. I don't go there anymore. I don't say those things anymore. I don't drink those things anymore. I don't smoke those things anymore. I don't snort those things anymore. I don't act like that anymore. I'm going to preach until you help me. I don't live like that anymore. I don't respond like that anymore because that's not who I am. That ain't my style anymore. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, some of y'all are saying, well, pastor, wow. It sounds like what you're saying is when I get saved and I'm marked by God, then I should change. You are a fast learner. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I will even go this further. If what you've got doesn't change you, then you have not been changed. Let me clear that up. Make it clear, perfectly clear. You can tweet it. You can quote it. You can make sure you get it right if you put it on Facebook. If you have not changed, you have not been changed by God. See, there is no way. There is no way. Say there's no way. There is no way that a Jesus who can turn water into wine, who can speak life to death, who can open up blinded eyes, can come and live on the inside of you and not change everything about you. I will stand here and declare to you, he made a change in me. He changed my life. I'm not who I used to be. I can't go to some places. I can't say some things anymore because that's not who I am. I've been changed by the power of God. And anything that doesn't change you, it soothes you. It makes you feel better about yourself. But it doesn't change your life. It's a narcotic, friend. That's all it is. It's like giving a cancer patient an ibuprofen. It's like giving a cancer patient an opiate. It may dull the pain, but it does not heal the disease. But God did not come to dull the pain. He come to heal you from the head to your feet. Everything about you to make you a brand new person. Is this okay? So you put on the new self. Well, I can't get off of this. When Jesus comes into your life, when he comes into your house, the Bible says we're his tabernacle, his temple, that he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, but he comes, this is the mystery, in fact, of the gospel, that Jesus comes to live inside of you. That is the mystery, that is the miracle, that is the amazing part of all of this, that he doesn't dwell in temples, he isn't an idol, he can't be fashioned with hands and made by mortal men. No, friend, he is a spirit. And those who worship him in spirit must or worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Bible says if you the spirit of God is not in you, then you are not his. So with all that being said, I'm trying to say this. There's some things he's not going to allow in his house. There's some people he's not going to have over. There's some, you know, there's a very comforting verse that says that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. It's very comforting, but you know what? It's also very sobering that wherever I go, Jesus is going. Whatever I say, Jesus is here. And whatever I look at, Jesus looked at it first. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
I'm telling you, when you accept God and when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you place your faith in Him, you have been marked by God. You've been called out and things change. For example, uh, think about blind Bartimaeus, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 50. I love the story. I've preached it several times. In six years, I've probably preached it six times. I love it. I love it. I really do. It's the story where this man is blind, uh, Bart. He's blind and he's laying on the street and he's got this garment on the bible says it's a beggar's garment it was made it was big kept you warm in cold weather but also when you threw change on it they could take the coins and pack it up and it was a blanket it was a mattress it was a beggar's garment when people had seen him with that garment they identified him as a beggar well jesus uh, excuse me well bart heard uh jesus coming into the city He'd already heard about him, obviously, heard stories about him. And he hears him coming. There's a great uproar. There's a great crowd. There's things going on. And he knows Jesus is coming into the city. And he starts to cry out, holler, scream. He says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. On me. And you know what the church people told him? The religious people, the followers of Jesus, they told him to shut up. They said, be quiet. They said, Jesus didn't come to hear you. He came here to teach something. He didn't come for you. But I can tell you, can I tell you something? That's exactly why he came. He came for a guy like Bart. He came for a guy like Caleb. He came from a guy like Josh. He came for a girl like Holly. He came for people just like me and you. And this is a picture of the gospel, actually. He called out on the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, if any man shall call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. Now that's the gospel, man, in a beautiful story. But he calls out, but this is what I want to get to. When he calls out on Jesus, he finally gets the attention of Jesus. And the same people that are telling him to shut up, Jesus said, hey, listen, tell him to come here. And they said, hey, Jesus wants to see you. Come on, get up. And that's what he done. He got up, but this is what the Bible says, and he didn't do it by accident. He said it on purpose. The Bible says he threw his garment down. He cast it to the ground. Why? Because he wasn't going to need it anymore. There's some things you put off because you ain't going to need anymore. There's some things you take off because you're not going to need it anymore. Why wasn't he going to need it? Because Jesus just don't come tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, dude, what's up? All right, man. I'm gonna, hey, just keep Hey, do, do me a favor. Would you start going to church, son? You're a good guy. And just go to church. Give to the ASPCA. <laughs> Christmas time, if you don't mind, when the jingling, the... the uh, Money at the Salvation Army, drop a quarter or two in there. Hey, you really want to be crazy? Put some cash in there. Other than that, dude, you're straight. You're good. Everything's good. That is not what he does. Jesus doesn't come and tell you, oh, you're good. No, Jesus tells you, you are a sinner and you need me. You just made the best decision to come to get pride out of your life and come to me. And don't worry about it. I'm not going to put you to shame. You are a sinner, but I'm not going to put you to shame. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you a saint. I'm going to make you a child of God. I'm going to erase your past, forgive you of your sins, and make a brand new you. And who you used to be, you're not. Sorry. Spitting all over you, bud. Who you used to be, you're not anymore. Radical, right? I, I don't need this garment because I'm not that anymore. It's the same, it's the same way when Elijah called Elisha. He said, God's got a calling on your life. Come follow me. What did he do? What did Elisha do? I'll tell you. He burnt his plow. 
He burned his oxen because he wasn't going to be a farmer anymore. It's like Jesus. It's like Jesus when he ministered to the woman at the well. And he said, he told her all that she'd ever done. And he forgave her of her sins. And he had this encounter with Jesus. What'd she do? The Bible says, not by accident, but on purpose, she dropped her bucket, left it, and ran into the city. Why? Because she wasn't thirsty anymore. She had just met the wellspring of living water. Do you get what I'm saying? There's some things you're going to, you may lay a bucket down. You may shed some clothes. You may burn a, a plow. I don't know. But there is going to be a change in your life. You put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. Now, this is very practical what I'm fixing to say. The next few verses are very plain. There's some things I put off. There's some things I put on. See, this is the thing. When you get saved and you're sealed with the Spirit, did you know in the eyes of God you are holy? Look at me right now. You don't know who you are in Christ. But I'll tell you, if you have received Jesus, you, are, you have been on the inside made holy. You have been made perfect, complete in Christ in Christ. Jesus. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about now you put on clothes that are going to match what you're wearing on the inside. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, okay, by the way, I'm not talking about clothes. You do get that, right? I'm talking about how you live. And you're going to start living outwardly like who you are inwardly. Now I'm not trying to I am not trying to garner a crowd. In fact, you didn't know what I was going to preach and you decided to come and so I, there was no stress on me about that. Now there's always a possibility that you can walk out. I've seen that happen before too. Wouldn't be the first time. I'm not here to garner a crowd. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm, here, I'm trying to get you to live holy. You see. I want you to live holy. I want you to live righteously because this is who you are in Christ. You've been marked. You've been branded. Hey, let me tell you about, you know the power of branding? Uh, any good franchise or, or brand. We'll take McDonald's, for instance. Now, I don't like McDonald's anymore. I used to like McDonald's. But you know what? You always know what you get from McDonald's, right? Poor service, poor food, at a cheap price. Right? I, you go to... Are, are, do y'all all have stock in McDonald's? I'm sorry. I mean, y'all are the... <laughs> You own a McDonald's? My Lord, you like McDonald's. Okay, it's all right if you like it. But you know they just throw that bag out there and don't even say, thank you, come again. Now, you know that. Now, you know that. They are not saying, my pleasure, come again, God bless you, or nothing like that. <laughs> they just, you just I, I don't even stop no more, y'all. I catch it like a, I catch it, I catch it. I just, 
I'd try to break their arm when they hanging out there. But there's the thing about McDonald's. Me and my wife have discussed this, have discussed this many times. You can go to any McDonald's and you can expect the same thing. Whether that's good for you or bad for you, I'm just telling you, you get the same thing. I have been to McDonald's in foreign countries. I have been to McDonald's in Bulgaria. Guess what? It tastes like McDonald's in Waycross. I went to McDonald's in Manaus. I went to McDonald's in different cities in Brazil. It tastes just like the McDonald's. I've been to McDonald's in Trinidad. It tastes like McDonald's. I've been to McDonald's in airports, big ones, small ones, and they all taste like, you hear me? They taste like this one right down the road. Consistency. That is their brand. When you see those golden arches, you know, man, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a, you don't go there and say, um, hmm. Do you have, do you have a, could I get a Caesar salad? You don't ask for a Caesar salad at McDonald's. You say, uh, what kind of beef do you have? Do you have, uh, do you have a prime rib? You don't ask for or no prime rib. You don't ask for fried chicken. When you go to McDonald's, you ask for a hamburger. You don't go. You don't go to KFC and ask for a steak, do you? No, you ask for fried chicken. You get because that's what you expect, right? They've been branded. They got consistency. Well, let me share something with you. If you've been branded by the Spirit, people are expecting something from you. Why y'all so quiet today? Is this bad preaching? You just listening? Well, you, you, I didn't say it, you did. You said about yourself, I'm a born again believer. I am blood bought, I am a child of God. Some of y'all still say I'm sanctified, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. You say that, and that's good, that's wonderful. I, I praise the Lord for you. And that's what you do, and that's who you are. But you know what? If that's what you say you are, and that's who you say you are, then people are expecting something from you. You are saying, I am branded. I carry this label. I used to, when I was in school, when I was in school, I cared about labels. I cared about, like, the clothes brand. You know what I mean? Like, uh, back when I went to school, uh, Tommy Hilfiger. People wore Tommy, Tommy. Tommy Hilfiger, uh, Ralph Lauren, Polo, Nautica, uh, all that stuff. If you had that, then you had nice clothes. I got older, started paying for my own clothes. I started venturing out to faded glory and stuff like that. <laughs> let me tell you something. They, they, hey, let me tell you, they ain't lying. Listen, I can respect faded glory. They tell you right off the bat, it ain't gonna last. It's gonna fade out. You wash it once or twice. You gonna have holes in it. Hmm. <laughs> When you buy something with a label, you expect it to last. Well, you wearing a label. You said, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. And people are expecting something. I want you to look at Acts chapter 3. I shared this, Acts chapter 3. I shared this in our staff devotion. Monday at noon, and I want to share it with you. Acts chapter 3. You know the story, most of you. Peter and John, after they had uh, experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and been endued with power from on high, they go out of the upper room and they are going to the temple to pray. 
And as they are going up to the temple, the Bible says there is a man who is laying down on the ground. The Bible says he is lame from birth. He was crippled in his legs. He could not walk. And he had been like that since he had been born. Don't that sound like me and you? Lame from birth, born a sinner. He was broken and couldn't get up. Crippled spiritually and could not get up on her own. It's, the, it's, a, it's a picture of the gospel, by the way. And Peter, and now, now where was he at? Did I tell you? He was laying right outside the church. How many people passed him by going to church? Oh, let this sink in now. How many church people walked right by him and threw him a coin? Just something for him to get through the day with. But there was something different about Peter and about John. They didn't pass him by, they stopped. They didn't throw him a coin. In fact, they said, look at us. They told this lame man, look at us. And the Bible says in verse five that he looked at them. Next verse, he turned to them. Now watch this, expecting, are you listening? Expecting to get something from them and I'm telling you you are so scared to share the gospel you are so scared to tell somebody about Jesus right now there most of you are scared to death to tell anybody about Jesus what if I made it easy for you what if I told you that they're actually expecting you to tell them about Jesus because you told them you were a Jesus follower what if I told you they're looking for you to give them something they don't have because you branded yourself. You went on Facebook and posted scripture. You said, I'm the, I'm a child of God and all this stuff. And they're expecting you to give them something. But to, most of us are just like everybody else other than Peter, besides Peter and John, passed them on their way to church and didn't do anything for them. Are you okay? It's right, ain't it? It's true, ain't it? We say we've got power, but we bottle it up and don't use it. We say we've got the best news in the world, but we don't share it. Does that make any sense? I'm sick of church. I'm sick of going through the motions. I'm sick of the ordinary. If we're going to see revival flood the streets, the revival's got to flood our souls. This has got to be something you just aren't labeled by that you live out. They're expecting something from you. And by the way, if you tell people you are saved and you're born again, you better listen. But you got hatred in your heart and bigotry in your heart and, and racism in your heart and you can't love anybody that's not like you. They got to be just like you. They got to have the same color skin as you do. They got to be the same denomination as you. They got to go to the same church as you. I'm telling you, friend, you are not saved. You are not saved. I said you are not saved. You are fooled. You are deceived. But you are not a disciple of God. You prophesy. You speak in tongues. You do all these things. But the Bible says if you don't have love, you are a crashing, banging symbol. 
You're making a lot of noise, but you have no substance. You have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. I'm trying to raise up a radical people. I'm trying to raise up radical, uh, that, 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 that people would understand that being radical is not strange. Being a radical born again believer is the norm. Oh my God. When's the last time you've shared the gospel? You sure don't mind sharing everything else. I've never seen so much, so many doctors in my life. I didn't know you were, you are the most intelligent people I've ever seen. All of you have a medical and science degree. You know what are in the vaccines, you know how they work, you know how they don't work, you know who should take them, who should not take them. You got all this opinion about everything, but you don't talk about Jesus. You don't share Jesus with nobody. You know the first thing to talk about when it comes to political jargon and the political climate of the day? Oh, you know all about it. But you don't know, you can't share anything about Jesus. Man, that's messed up, ain't it? Ain't that messed up? Ain't that sad? Don't that make you want to say, I'm sorry, God? It makes me want to say, Lord, I repent. Where have I went wrong? What have I preached that has spurred people? They're more passionate about the temporary things of this world than they are about the eternal things of God. It, I put it on me. I blame me. What have I been talking about? I declare I'll stand in front of you. All that is a waste of time. I don't want to be worldly minded or focused on the temporary. I want to be eternally minded. I want to understand that I don't care if I live to be 90 years old, it's going to seem like that, y'all. Did you know that? If you live to be 80, it's going to seem like that. If you live to be 75, it's going to seem like that. And But then you know what? It, you may say, well, I lived a long life. Yeah, but in, in light of eternity, you have not lived at all. All you are going to live forever. So what you do for the kingdom is the only thing that matters. I'm not angry. You think I'm angry? Rob, you think I'm angry? I'm not angry. But I am passionate. And I'm trying to build a church. I'm not trying to build a club. I'm not trying to build a... I'm trying to build a church. I'm trying to get a bride ready for God to come back. I'm trying to build a people who will go to battle and fight for the right. If you're in the battle for the Lord and the right, keep on the firing line. That's an old song. And I'm telling you, a lot of us have turned our backs. on. on we don't like the firing line. We don't like the battle. But this is a fight worth fighting, friend. So he turned to them and expecting something to get from them. And, I, and the world is expecting something from us, Mark. We've got power in us. We've been marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. So if we've been marked and we've been sealed, how should we live? Are you ready? Verse 25. Therefore, stop lying. I told you this is going to be real practical. Speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Because we're members of one another. 
We're of the family. We're in the same family. Look at me right now. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm your brother. I am your brother. You are my sister. Did you know that? If we are born again, we are in a family. This is the family of God. And the Bible says don't lie because to each other because we are members of the same family. And if I lie to you, I'm not only hurting me, I'm hurting you. And you know what? I want to live a life where I don't have to lie. Ain't it, ain't it, don't, ain't it terrible to try to have to always cover your tracks? To always have to look over your shoulder. That is no way to live, is it? To make sure you crossed all your T's, dotted all your I's, covered all your tracks, told everybody the right story. Oh, for the children of God, we don't have anything to hide. We exposed everything to Jesus in the highest power of all the universe. God himself has forgiven us and forgiven me of all my sins. I have nothing to hide anymore. Now watch this. Be angry and do not sin. Be angry. You can be angry. Did you know that? I stay angry. <laughs> at the devil. I stay angry at religious people who declare they're children of God but don't live like it. I get angry at them. I get angry at preachers who say they're preaching the gospel. They never talk about Jesus. I get angry at them. I get angry at drug addicts, not addicts, the pushers, the sellers. I get angry at them. I'll fight them. I've been at houses, I've been at a house before, and I'm helping this, I'm trying to preach to this man, and, and, the, and the people coming to sell the drugs come right down the road, and they stop. And I looked at them, I said, don't you come by this house again. They said, who are you? I said, I'm a preacher. My name's Caleb Lancaster, and this man right here, he's saved, and he's on a spiritual high hill. You said you didn't do that. I promise you I did. I did, and they looked at me like I was crazy. They looked at me like I had lost my mind. I said, well, you, you want to call him? I said, next time you want to call him? I said, call me. My number's 912. I ain't telling y'all my number. Uh, there ain't no way. Y'all know, y'all going to call me and say, hey, this is that drug dealer that came by your house. I said, he ain't doing drugs no more. I get mad. I get mad at sin. I get angry. I get... It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to sin in your anger. So see, I wanted to pull that guy out of the truck, both of them, there's two of them, and show them that a Christian still can fight. <laughs> Samson was the baddest of all fighters. <laughs> he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. That's pretty bad. And so I always say, don't try me. That's what I'm saying. Don't try me. Don't try me. <laughs> no, I'm too tired to fight. But anyway, be angry. Do not sin. You can't sin when you're angry, but you can be angry. And now look what it says. Y'all used this verse before. Somebody told me this the other day. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. What does that mean? 
Well, it's your sinning in anger, by the way. It's not. So don't let the sun go down while you have sinned in your anger with unrepented sin in your life. Let me tell you why. In Celebrate Recovery, we say make amends and make them quickly. If you've hurt somebody, if you've said something to somebody, if you have sinned against somebody in anger, you need to go to them as quick as you can and make it right. And let me tell you why. Because if you decide you're just going to sleep on it, let me tell you how crazy you are, how messed up I am. We will justify by the time we done slept on it and we done thought about it the next morning. You know what we're going to say? Well, I said what I said. I know it was wrong, but you know, they said what they said to me. And if they wouldn't have said what they said to me, I wouldn't have said what I said to them. And you know what happens? You justify your wrong. You sleep on it. And you justify it instead of repenting over it. And let me tell you the danger in that. What happens is your anger, sinning in your anger turns into bitterness. And it just doesn't affect my relationship with you. It affects my relationship with everybody else. More than that, the Bible says you better get it under the blood and you better repent. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Next verse. Because it gives the devil an opportunity to get in your life. I don't want to give the devil any opportunity. The Bible says he, he's seeking who he may, whom he may devour, who will open the door for him. You want to know how to open the door for the devil to destroy you? You know how to open the door for the, to the devil for him to steal things from you? Have unrepented sin in your life. So the marking, the sign of a believer... Those who've been marked by God, they're people who aren't full of pride. They're people who have a repentful spirit. <clears throat> it's people whose heart has, is just all mushy. They're pliable. Their heart's not hard or calloused. Now, I've told my wife this. This is not a secret. She knows it. When... Uh, we have an argument. Can you believe that? Can you believe that, y'all? I'm a pastor, y'all. I am born again. But did you know that we still have arguments? Did you know most of our arguments are really stupid? Stupid arguments. Uh, let's see, what was the last? The last argument we had, y'all, it was stupid. It was so stupid. I was mad at the air conditioner, basically. <laughs> I was sick of the fact that it was hot as nine hells outside. And nine of them, y'all. That's hot. That's a lot. And the air conditioner could not keep up with how hot it was. Have y'all experienced that the last couple of days? And all I could see was dollar signs. Me sowing into Georgia power. <laughs> offering after offering after offering. I thought, no, I'm not doing this. 
And I'm the most hot. I, guys, I'm dripping sweat. I've been sweating since 7 o'clock this morning. I thought about preaching, and I started sweating, okay? I sweat. I am the most hottest-natured person that you know of. You don't know anybody that can get any hotter than I can get. Now, listen. I had this wild hair. I said, that's it. No more air conditioner. We're going to blow it up. It can't keep this cool. It's hot. I told you how hot it was, right? Well, I didn't tell her that. That was stuff I was reasoning in my own mind and on my host and my own soul and spirit. So I went up to the air conditioner. And I took it to places, y'all, that it ain't never been before. I took that old, I cracked about 72, 73, 74, 75. And my air conditioner was like, oh my gosh, wow, this is amazing. It's never been off, you see. It's never shut off. And I turned it, I got on 75. I didn't like it. I was hot. Well, she comes by the hall through the best air conditioner, and I heard her say, It is hot in here. Who turned the air up to 75? I'm hot. Did I tell you I was hot, y'all? I said, I did. I said, we can't keep on paying this light bill. I said, well, she said, well, and this is what she said, y'all. She said, well, I can't sleep like this. I'm going to be hot. I'm going to be hot. I'm going to be hot. I'm, I'm going to sweat to death in this. Whatever. Whatever. You want to read it over here? And she walked into a room, and I could hear her saying, whatever. If you want to be if hot, you want to be hot. You want to be sweating. I don't know what she was saying, but something like that. You want to be hot, you be hot by yourself. You want to be hot, not. I went into the room, you want to be hot, you want to be hot, hot to yourself. I don't know. I, don't know. I could just hear it going on in the hallway all the way down to the bed. <laughs> And I went in there and I was mad, y'all. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, I said, I wasn't gonna make you keep the air off. You could have turned the air on, but you didn't give me a chance to say what I was gonna say and explain to you why I turned it up. You know what she looked at me and said? She said, I love you, Caleb. I thought, what do you mean? Why are you saying that right now? What am I even talking about right now? Oh, I know. We got in this, so it was a silly argument. But you know what I've done? I try to be angry and, and not apologize, knowing I'm wrong. But I can't do it, y'all. I, I know some people, they can get mad with their spouse, and they can just carry it on and hold on to it and just go on about it and go on through the day. I can't, y'all. I cannot, I cannot, I can't go to work, I can't do nothing, I can't get my vehicle, I got to make it right. I don't know, don't know. And I've even told her this, I said, listen, this makes me so mad, but I got to tell you something, I am sorry. I am sorry right now, I am so sorry. And I said, it makes me so sick. It makes me so sick that I got to tell you I'm sorry. I'm always the first one to tell you sorry. You never say sorry first. I'm always the first one that says sorry. So sorry, I'm sorry. You know what happened? I know you didn't do anything. <laughs> so, it's important that we keep that spirit of I'm sorry. It is. 
Because if we don't, we give the devil opportunity. And you know what? It's very important to be sorry with your spouse and all that. And, but it's, it, this is to be repentful amongst family. And we are family. You know how many churches have been tore up and divided because of they can't, they don't walk in forgiveness. They want to be forgiven by God, but they don't want to give their brother and sister any forgiveness. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. All right, let's keep on going. I know I got to close. Wow. Let the thief no longer steal. That sounds like change to me, right? If you're branded and you're marked by God, you're going to quit doing some of the things you were doing. Instead, work honest. Work with your own hands. I'm going to say something, and I'm going to say it real loud and really clear. If you lie to people, if you lie on, the paper, on your paperwork, if you lie to the government so that you can get more food stamps on your EBT card, I'm telling you, that's not of God. If you lie on your taxes, I don't care if you say, well, I mean, they ain't going to check. You lied. You lied on your taxes, and it's not of God. If you, if you, if, let me tell you something. If you could have worked during this pandemic and you chose not to work because you just didn't want to work and you wanted to get a check from the government, I'm not talking about if you're sick or you can't work. That is not what I'm saying. That we got a system in place for people who cannot work because they're physically ill and they're physically sick. I thank God for them and those, for that. And for those people who need that, they can get it. But if you could work during the pandemic and you chose to sit on your butt and grab a $600 check instead of going out and working at these places where they were wanting to give you a sign-on bonus so that you could work, Work. Let me tell you something. That ain't a God. That is not of God. I, there's business owners in this church right now, and I, I want them to be able to testify and say that Christians are the hardest working people, that people that remnant church are the hardest working people uh, uh, that I can hire. I want people to say that. I want them to say that about the kingdom of God, that kingdom people are the hardest working people, and that's what we should be, honest work with our own hands. Why? So that we can be a blessing to someone else. So when those people who can't work, who are physically ill, who really have an issue and they can't work, that we can be a blessing to them. See how that works? Next verse. No foul language should come from your mouth. If you're marked by God, I, I'm amazed, amazed at the people who say, I wonder if God wants me to quit cussing. You say, well, who? Abrielle asked me a good question, y'all, the other day. She said, I got a question. I said, go ahead. She said, who decided that the cuss words are cuss words? <laughs> and I told her, I told her, well, society deemed them as foul words, as words that are, are, are offensive to people. I said, some words in America are offensive to, and other places they're not offensive. But in some cultures, these words are offensive, and they're not offensive to us. I said, it's kind of society says these things are offensive. I said, it's not so much about a cuss word. It's about offending your brother or your sister. I said, but in South Georgia, in this culture that we live in, until you move out, here are some words that are bad words that you should not say, and they are offensive. And she said, well, I thought the devil made them words. I said, no, the devil didn't make them words. I said, the devil doesn't create anything. He perverts everything. No foul language should come from your mouth. Not only that talking about words that are offensive, but look what it goes on. Not, foul language shouldn't come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. If it don't build up, then you need to shut up, okay? If it tears down your brother and sister, it, even if you're not in their presence, it's foul. If you're talking about me, foul. Foul. 
If you talk about the person, your a family member who is doing wrong things and you're talking about them, you talking about them doesn't help them. Let me tell you what you can do. If you gotta put them down, put them down on your prayer list, pray for them because you need the prayer. They need the prayer and you need the practice. Do you hear what I'm saying? So you don't tear them down, you build them up. And if you can't find it in your spirit or in your heart to build someone up, then you know what grandma said? Grandma said, if, it don't, if, it, if uh, you don't have anything good to say, well, just don't say, just don't say anything at all. The Bible says something about that. The Bible says it'd be better to keep your mouth shut than to open your mouth and let everybody know you're a fool. Keep them guessing. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, it does say that by the way. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. And why don't we do these things? Because when we sin against God, y'all, we're not our own anymore. So yes, when I sin, I may sin against you. So if I talk about you, I've sinned against you, but guess who else I've sinned against? I've hurt you, but guess who I've hurt? God. So when I do these things, I grieve God's spirit. The one who chose me, the one who sealed me, the one who marked me, the one who forgave me. You are sealed by him. You are marked by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, next verse, let all anger, let all wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all hatred and be kind. Be compassionate towards one another and forgive one another just as God has forgave you. Anybody else experienced the grace of God in their life? Has anybody been forgiven by God in here? Anybody? Have you had to have a little bit of forgiveness? You know the beautiful thing about God and the way he forgives y'all is true forgiveness. Because the way he forgives, the Bible says, I've heard preachers say, they'll say it, but it's it's, it's biblical. They say he forgives and he forgets. But he doesn't have amnesia. It'd be one thing if he just, because he's God, he gave himself amnesia and he forgot that you ever sinned. That would be cool, I guess. But the love is greater than that. He doesn't forget it because he's got amnesia. He chooses to not hold it against you. That's real forgiveness. In other words, when someone does something against you, you don't say, well, I'll forgive you this time. But next time? Oh, you only only got one chance with me. Mm. Fool me once. Shame, uh, huh? Shame on you, man. You don't know. You messing me up, bro. Fool me. Let me get away from him. He don't know what he's talking about. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. 
I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have let you. I shouldn't have let you back into my life. I shouldn't have forgiven you in the first place. I shouldn't have. Yeah, but what did God do? Should he have forgiven you? Should he have gave you grace? How many times you screw up? How many times you tell him you wouldn't do the same thing you've done over and over and over and over and over and over and over again? And God didn't say, well, if you do it one more time, I'm done with you. No, what did he do? He forgave you and he forgave you and he forgave you and he forgave you and he forgave you again. And every time you ran to him, he didn't run from you. He never put you to shame. He was standing there with arms open wide. And this is how God's forgiven you. And if God's forgiven you that way, that's how you should forgive others. If you're marked by God. If you're his own. Stand with me all across the building. If in my attempt to preach holiness makes you, I mess around and make you happy, well then that works out for all of us. But once again, I'm not building numbers, I'm building the kingdom. And I want you, I want you to make a difference in this world for the kingdom of God. Hmm. You hear me? Now I want to ask you something. Look at me real good. You didn't come to church to see them. They're coming up on this stage. They're going to get in place. But I want to ask you something. I want you to look at me real good. Is there something in your life you need to put off? Is there something in your life you need to put off? You need to get off of you. It don't fit anymore. It's not your style anymore, but you're starting to cram yourself in it. And it's heavy. And it's weighing you down. You can't do it. You got unrepented sin in your life. Anybody? So we had a, we had a move of the Spirit of God in our 9 o'clock service. I understand this is a different, different group of people. But God's Spirit is the same. And I don't know you like God knows you. But I know me, and I know God. And I want to ask you, and I want to give you the opportunity. If you're trying to carry some things around that you ain't supposed to be carrying, if you're trying to fit in a place, places you can't fit in, don't let another day go between you and getting things right with God. Don't just go through the motions. Just don't pretend like everything's right and be so full of pride that you can't get rid of what's actually killing you. It's driving a wedge between you and God. It's hindering your relationship. Remember what I said. Now, I love my wife and in my, in, in, in my, the love that I have for people that would be God, my wife, my children and my family. You, a church, the church. That's the biblical outline. So the person I love more than anybody on this earth is my wife. The next, and the only one I'm supposed to love more than I love my wife would be God. And my heart is to always try to make things right with my wife. What about my relationship with God? 
do I strive to make things right between me and God? Because, yes, when I sin, it affects others, but when I sin, it breaks the heart of God. It grieves, the Bible said, the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you something. Have you been grieving the Holy Spirit? The one you love more than anybody? The one who loves you more than anybody? The one who chose you before you could choose him, loved you before you could love him, died for you before you were ever living. While you were yet a sinner, he died for you. Seen something in you that you didn't even see in yourself. And let me ask you, are you living a life that is grieving his spirit? I'm more convinced than ever that pandemics and 9-11 and tragedies like this that the church thinks are going to bring people to God aren't. They're not, y'all. You know, I was so foolish to believe that people were so excited about coming back to church after we'd been closed for four months. I thought they would be as excited as I was. They weren't. Instead of people running to the house of God, people ran out the doors. Did you know that in, 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 most, in, all, in every church that I know of and every pastor that I've ever spoke to since then, they've lost about 25 to 30% of their church people. Did you know for, for us, that's almost over, that's over 100 people. Did you know that since, since, since all this happened, and they're not scared, by the way. These are young people who go to jobs, go to work. They don't wear masks. They're not scared. I mean, out of that percentage, you may have 3% that are scared because they got some kind of physical illness and they're fearful. The rest have just wondered. The, uh, over 100 people, y'all. Just based on the size of your church. A hundred people. I can name them. I do. I got them on my, on my anybody wants to see it, on my, on my computer. I've got a, a piece of paper with these things that I pray about. I pray about all kinds of things, but these things every day. You'll find on there those hundred people. So I'm convinced that tragedy doesn't bring revival. Nope. You know what brings revival? And what'll win this lost world, bringing them to Jesus? A revived church. As long as you wanna be complacent and go through the motions, what you're saying is, I don't care about my family and I don't care about the people that are dying and going to hell. And I'm just sorry, that's just what you're saying. Let me speak to men for just a minute. If you're a man, raise your hand. If you got a family, raise your hand. If you got a wife, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Now listen to me just for a second. You got kids, raise your hand. You got kids, raise your hand. Listen to me. The Satan is fighting you. And I don't know if I shared this last Sunday or not, so I'm going to share it. But you are not the end game. Satan is not just trying to take you out. You're the protector. You're the high priest of your home. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get to your wife. 
So you play games and get on your game box or whatever you call it and play till the cows come home and you act like you're not in a spiritual battle and you act like a child and you don't pray over your family and you don't pray with your wife and you don't pray over your children and you pretend like you're not in a battle and you see if you don't wind up lame on the ground but you're not the end game Satan wants to take you out so he can get your children and your wives. He's just moving you out of the way. So if you're the protector, if you're the man of your home, if you're the high priest of your house, you better get serious about what God is serious about. You better understand that you're in a battle. You are not the end game your family is. So it's time to man up to repent to get serious with God if you care about your family if you care about your children you ain't got a father in your home you ain't got a man in your life women you're raising your children yourself same goes for you you are not the end game he wants to take out your children. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to stand for what's right. If I got to go, y'all, if I got to spend the rest of my life, rest of my life down on my knees with a humble spirit repenting before God, I'll do it. I want God more than anything in my life. I want God more than money. I want God more than houses. I want God more than lands. I want God more than anything. I want my life to make an impact on the kingdom of God. I want my family to be about family business, building the kingdom of God. When I leave this world, I want to know that I have poured everything out. Every, I've gave him every ounce of me. I trusted him when nobody said trust him. I believed him for the impossible and I seen him do works that men didn't think he could do. That he could revive a religious place like Waycross, Georgia, Blackshear, Georgia, Brantley County, Hoboken, Nahana, Hazelhurst, Alma, folks, and that God can raise up an army of believers out of a place like that. Not church is normal. People who are on fire for God. No. People who love God more than anything else. People who say they're what they are. What they say they are is what they do. And it's how they live. This is what I want. It's the church I want to pastor. It's the kind of people I want to build and raise up. It's the kind of life I want to live for myself. And I want to look at you in the face and ask you, is that what you want? You can say yeah or you can say no. Is that what you want? I'm asking you right now, is that what you want? Group right here, is that what you want? You want to live for God? Not religion, guys. Not religion, but a, 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 a power. Real. Is that what y'all want? Is that the man and woman you want to be? The mom and the father you want to be for your kids? The grandfather and the patriarch and matriarch of the family, is that what you want? Is that what you want?
Is that what you guys want? Men, women, teenagers? Is that what you want? How are y'all? I'll tell you how we get there. We repent. We repent. I don't know about you, but I put I took things off and I picked them back up and put them on and tried to fit back in them. Anybody? Anybody? I have. I've put it off. I've laid it at the altar. And I came back and I found it. And I picked it back up, Jesse. And some of you think, I don't even know if I can lay it back down. I picked it up. I look like a fool. Well, this ain't baseball. There ain't three strikes and you're out. You keep on putting it down. If you pick it up, you put it back down. You put it back down. You put it back down. You put it back down until it stays down. You put it back down until you want God more than you want it. You put it down until you love God more than you love it. Whatever it is, you put it down. You put it in its place. You destroy it. You get it out of your life. You put it off. It don't fit you anymore. It's not your style. It's not the way you live. Hear me, church. Hear me, church. You don't listen to it anymore. You don't watch it anymore. You don't access it anymore. You don't visit it anymore. You don't talk to them anymore. You don't text them anymore. You don't tweet them anymore. You don't message them anymore. You don't call that person anymore. You just don't do it anymore. You don't go there. You don't let them speak into your life. You don't lend an ear to them because that's not who you are anymore. That's not your style. That's not how you live. That's not how you act. That's not how you respond. That's not how you think you're a child of God. You're saved. You're marked. You're sealed with his spirit. You've been branded by Christ and if this is who God says I am well then this is who I'm going to be I want to ask somebody how long will you waver between two opinions how long will you ride the fence how long will you see how close you can get to destruction by making it to heaven how long will you live so close to hell that you can fear the fire flames licking at your ankles yet hoping you get to heaven how long will you do that how long will you live in the flesh by saying you're a child of God and you walk by faith how long will you do it? I'm telling you, I don't know how long you've got to make things right between you and God. You say, are you one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers? I don't know. I'm a truth preacher. I want to preach the truth and I want you to go to heaven and I want you to live like a saint of God. I want you to walk in victory. I don't want you to walk in defeat. I have too many people that come in my office and sit in my, on my couch and sit in my chairs and they cry their hearts out and their eyes until they have no more tears left over their children and over their wife and over their spouses and all this stuff, all the heartbreak and it's real and can I tell you most of it is a result of sin and frankly I've just heard enough it's time for us to be who God's called us to be it's time to get the sexual immorality out of our lives it's time, it's time to quit watching people be sexually immoral. It's time to stop letting stuff in our homes and in our houses. And it's time to quit listening to things that is blatant sin. And you get a chuckle off of it. You laugh at it. You think it's funny. Come on, guys. Come on. You're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. 
in lukewarm water. Germs are rampant in lukewarm water. Viruses abide and breed in luke stale, warm water. And that's what God said you are. You're lukewarm. He said, I'd rather you be cold or you're hot. In or out. This is hard preaching, ain't it? The altars are open right now. I, I know it's late. I know it's one o'clock. I know that. I do know that. I'm so understanding at that, but I want to open these altars. Come on, men. Come on, women. I want to give you an opportunity to cry out to God. Get things right. Get things right. Anybody else? Hmm. It's a little sin, ain't it? Ain't it? That's okay, right? The little, little stuff, it's all right. It's not the big stuff. It's just the little stuff. I don't care. It's just a little stuff. Just little stuff. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, would you pray with me? If we're serious about a move of God and we want revival in our lives, we got to make room for you, God. And I prophesy right now. I don't try to replicate what happened this, in this 9 o'clock service. This is different people. But I say, Spirit of God, move upon your people, God. And if, there's, if there are people who need to repent, I pray they would repent. And they would make things right between you and them. Before sin overtakes, before sin has its way. When sin conceives, it brings forth death. Did you know that's what the Bible says? So you're playing with death. When you play with sin, you're playing with death. You're drinking poison and expecting it not to kill you. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, right now, Spirit of God. Would you stretch your hands? Maybe you don't need to be praying out at this altar, so could you stretch your hands toward these who have humbled themselves and said, I, I don't care what people say right now. Would you stretch your hand this way and pray for them right now? Right now? Can I get some people that just come up behind them and lay, lay a hand on them and, and let them know that you're praying for them right now? Minister to them right now. Oh, God, Jesus, do it. Do it, Lord. Cry out to God. You know what? Families are being made whole right now. Men are taking their rightful places in their homes right now. Women are coming back in a line with your word right now. Children are coming back home right now. Oh God, do a work in them right now in the name of Jesus. 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 Oh Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
I can't waver. I can't, I can't put it off anymore. I can't put it off anymore. Oh, I want you, those who are praying at the altar, pray, pray, pray. Those who are in the congregation, look at me real quick. Look at me, look up at me, look up at me. I have been talking to, for the last, for the last, most of this message I've been talking to believers. But I want to, I want to make a plea to an unbeliever right now. What I mean by that, someone who hasn't had a real encounter with Jesus that has changed your life. I want to make a plea to you this morning. I want to ask you today, if you are not saved, don't you want to give your life to Jesus? Wouldn't you like to know that everything's right between you and God? Wouldn't you want to have forgiveness? The last verse in that, in that text said, forgiven as Christ has forgiven you. Would you like complete forgiveness of all your sin? Your past erased? You can't live this life without Jesus. So if you think, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to start coming to church. That won't work, man. What you've got to do is surrender your life to Jesus. So I want to ask you right now, if you're not saved, if you've never had any, I'm not talking about going to church or being baptized. I'm talking about you've not had a real encounter with Jesus. You haven't given your life to Him and you're not living for Him. And you want to live for Him today. You want to give your life to Jesus, not religion, but you want to have a true relationship with Christ. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I don't care who's looking. You shouldn't care either. Man, if that's you, would you lift your hand? I see that hand right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Lift it high where I can see it. Lift it high. Yep, I see it. Anybody else? Anybody else? You raising your hand? You? Yeah, right here. Amen. Anybody else right here? Anybody else? So where's my connectors at? Where's those people who were watching, those people who raised their hand? We want to give you something. If you raised your hand, would you raise it one more time? I'm sorry. Right here in the purple, raise it. Don't be ashamed. You ain't got to be ashamed. I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. Right here in purple, can you give her? Right here, guys. Right here in the purple. These two wonderful people right here. Get down and get them. Who else? Okay. Now, if you raised your hand, I want you to look at me. Look at me real good. What's your name? Huh? Jayla. Is this your family? These are your children? The one you was talking about, telling me about Thursday? What's your name? Hmm? What's your name? Angelina, Antonio, Jayla. Let me tell you what just happened to you. God, the creator of all heaven and earth, just reached down and touched you. Grab you. Hold you. It's a miracle. It's a miracle of salvation. Now this is what I want us to I want us to all pray. Can we pray? We got time to pray? Y'all got somewhere to go? Can we pray? I want you to, we're all gonna pray this prayer. 
So if you raised your hand, you said, I need Jesus today. I want to be saved. Jayla, Antonio, Angelina, we're all going to pray this prayer with you. And if you believe this prayer, if you believe what you're praying, your sins will be forgiven and you will be just as saved as anybody can be saved. And all your past will be erased. So let's pray together. Say, Lord. Oh, come on. We, we pray with boldness now. Lord, here I am. I felt you call me. Heard you call me. I felt your spirit draw me. I believe you died for me. And you rose again for me. You took the cross that belonged to me. You took on my sin. My failures. My pain. My shame. Death. So that I could live forever. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I believe today that I am saved. I turn away from sin and I turn my eyes on you. My focus is on you. I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're saved today. Can you give God a... a he just done a miracle. Three of them. Can you give God praise? I love you so much. Thank you for being here today. If you got saved, got uh, Jayla right here, Angelina, Antonio. These people got saved. I want to invite you to come to New Believers tomorrow. It's for people who've just recently been saved. We've already got people in there. We would love for you to be there. I'm looking for you. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, New Believers small group. First Wednesday is this Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, so be here. Church starts at 7. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be powerful. Thank you for being here today. Share, with, share what happened in this place with somebody today. I love you. I'm praying for you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. God bless you. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.